Hey, it's Caleb here, and you are listening to Pretty Bored. So, in this episode, I have decided to read again. Um, I've been really enjoying reading on this podcast, and I think this one you guys will enjoy a lot because I'm reading a series of short stories. Um, this was recommended by a friend. However, I don't have a book of short stories, but I do have a giant book of children's stories. So that's what I'm going to read to you today. So, and I've chosen eight, um, if I counted right, eight stories, all childhood classics for me at least. And I know that I have listeners from other countries. I don't know if this book is just American um, stories. Maybe you'll recognize some of them. And maybe you won't. So this will be your first time listening to them. I know that 9% of my listens come from Ireland. So person from Ireland, I hope you enjoy these. And my listeners everywhere from... Let me pull them up right now so I can give you guys a quick shout out before we get into things. Because I really appreciate you guys listening and and maybe these will be new stories to you so my listeners from ireland the philippines the united kingdom canada pakistan germany australia japan and the netherlands i know i have um i also have bangladesh too so thank you guys so much for listening and i hope you enjoy these children's stories maybe they're new to you or It'll bring back some fun memories. So um, let's get into it. This first story is called A Chair for My Mother. It's written and illustrated by Vera B. Williams and was originally published in 1982. Oh, also, um, while I'm reading these, sit back and relax and um, try not to, you know, just listen to it in the background and maybe you'll fall asleep that's my goal with this episode i'm going to try to get you to fall asleep so we'll see i don't know my mother works as a waitress in the blue tile diner after school sometimes i go to meet her there then her boss josephine gives me a job too i wash the salts and peppers and fill the ketchups one time i peeled all the onions for the onion soup when i finish josephine says Good work, honey, and pays me, and every time I put half of my money into the jar. It takes a long time to fill a jar this big. Every day when my mother comes home from work, I take down the jar. My mama empties all her change from tips out of her purse for me to count. Then we push all of the coins into the jar. Sometimes my mama is laughing when she comes home from work. Sometimes she's so tired, she falls asleep while I count the money out into piles. Some days she's ha- she has a lot of tips. Some days she has only a little. But each evening, every single shiny coin goes into the jar. We usually sit in the kitchen to count the tips. Usually, Grandma sits with us too. While we count, she likes to hum. Often, she has money in her old leather wallet for us. Whenever she gets a good bargain on tomatoes or bananas or something she buys, she puts by the savings and they go into the jar. 
When we can't get a single other coin into the jar, we are going to take out all the money and go and buy a chair. Yes, a chair. A wonderful, beautiful, fat, soft armchair. We will get one covered in velvet with roses all over it. We are going to get the best chair in the whole world. That is because our old chairs burned up. There was a big fire in our other house. All our chairs burned. So did our sofa, and so did everything else. That wasn't such a long time ago. My mother and I were coming home from buying new shoes. I had new sandals. She had new pumps. We were walking to our house from the bus. We were looking up. We were looking at everyone's tulips. She was saying she liked red tulips, and I was saying I liked yellow ones. Then we came to our block. Right outside our house stood two big fire engines. I could see lots of smoke. Tall orange flames came out of the roof. All the neighbors stood in a bunch across the street. Mama grabbed my hand and we ran. My Uncle Sandy saw us and ran to us. Mama yelled, Where's Mother? I yelled, Where's my Grandma? My Aunt Ida waved and shouted, She's here! She's here! She's okay, don't worry. Grandma was all right. Our cat was safe too, though it took a while to find her, but everything else in our house was spoiled. What was left of the house was turned to charcoal and ashes. We went to stay with my mother's sister, Aunt Ida, and Uncle Sandy. Then we were able to move into the apartment downstairs. We painted the walls yellow. The floors were all shiny, but the rooms were very empty. The first day we moved in, the neighbors brought pizza and cake and ice cream, and they brought a lot of other things too. The family across the street brought a table and three kitchen chairs. The very old man next door gave us a bed from when his children were little. My other grandpa, my other grandpa brought us his beautiful rug. My mother's other sister, Sally, had made us red and white curtains. Mama's boss, Josephine, brought pots and pans, silverware and dishes. My cousin brought me her own stuffed bear. Everyone clapped when my grandma made a speech. You all are the kindest people, she said, and we thank you very, very much. It's lucky we're young and can start all over. That was last year, but we still have no sofa and no big chairs. When mama comes home, her feet hurt. There's no good place for me to take a load off my feet, she says. When grandma wants to sit back and hum and cut up potatoes, she has to get as comfortable as she can on a hard kitchen chair. So that is how, how come mama brought home the biggest jar she could find at the diner and all the coins started to go into the jar. Now the jar is too heavy for me to lift down. Uncle Sandy gave me a quarter. He had to boost me up so I could put it in. After mama and, and grandma and I stood in front of the jar, well, I never would have believed it, but I guess it's full, Mama said. My mother brought home little paper wrappers for the nickels and the dimes and the quarters. I counted them all out and wrapped them all up. On my mother's day off, we took all the coins to the bank. The bank exchanged them for $10 bills. Then we took the bus downtown to shop for our chair. We shopped through four furniture stores. We tried out big chairs and smaller ones, high chairs and low chairs, 
soft chairs and harder ones. Grandma said she felt like Goldilocks and the, th and the three bears trying out all the chairs. Finally, we found the chair we were all dreaming of, and the money in the jar was enough to pay for it. We called Aunt, S Aunt Ida and Uncle Sandy. They came right down in their pickup truck to drive the chair home for us. They knew we couldn't wait for it to be delivered. I tried out our chair in the back of the truck. Mama wouldn't let me sit in there while we drove, but they let me sit in it while they carried it up to the door. We set the chair right beside the window with the red and white curtains. Grandma and Mama and I all sat in it while Aunt Ida took our picture. Now Grandma sits in it and talks with people going, going by in the daytime. Mama sits down and watches the news on TV when she comes home from her job. After supper, I sit in it with her, and she can reach right up and turn out the light if I fall asleep in her lap. The end. Okay. Let me find the next story. The next story I have is Curious George, written and illustrated by H.A. Ray originally published in 1941. This is George. He lived in Africa. He was a good little monkey and always very curious. One day, George saw a man. He had on a large yellow straw hat. The man saw George too. What a nice little monkey, he thought. I would like to take him home with me. He put his hat on the ground and, of course, George was curious. He came down from the tree and, and to look at the large yellow hat. The hat had been on the man's head. George thought it would be nice to have it on his own head. He picked it up and put it on. The hat covered George's head. He couldn't see. The man picked him up quickly and popped him into a bag. George was caught. The man with the big yellow hat put George into a little boat and a sailor rowed them across the water to a big ship. George was sad, but he was a little he was still a little curious. On the big ship, things began to happen. The man took off the bag. George sat on a little stool and the man said, "George, I'm going to take you to a big zoo in a big city. You will like it there. Now run along and play, but don't get into trouble." George promised to be good but it is easy for little monkeys to forget. On the deck, he found some seagulls. He wondered how they could fly. He was, he was very curious. Finally, he had to try. It looked easy, but oh, what happened? First this, he jumped off the boat, and then this, he fell in the water. Where is George? The sailors looked and looked. At last, they saw him struggling in the water and almost all tired out. Man overboard, the sailors cried as they threw him a life belt. George caught it and held on. At last, he was safe on board. After that, George was more careful to be a good monkey until, at last, the long trip was over. George said goodbye to the kind sailors, and he and the man with the yellow hat walked off the ship onto the shore, and on into the city to the man's house. After a good meal and a good pipe, 
George felt very tired. He crawled into bed and fell asleep at once. The next morning, the man, the man telephoned the zoo. George watched him. He was fascinated. The man went away. George was curious. He wanted to telephone too. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. What fun. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. George had telephoned the fire station. The firemen rushed to the telephone. Hello, hello, they said, but there was no answer. Then they looked for the signal on the big map that showed where the telephone call had come from. They didn't know it was George. They thought it was a real life fire. Hurry, hurry, hurry. The firemen jumped onto the fire engines and, and onto the hook and ladders. Ding dong, ding dong, everyone out of the way. Hurry, hurry, hurry. The firemen rushed into the house. They opened the door. No fire, only a naughty little monkey. Oh, catch him, catch him, they cried. George tried to run away. He almost did, but he got caught in the telephone wire, and a thin fireman caught one arm, and a fat fireman caught the other. You fooled the fire department, they said. We will have to shut you up where you can't do any more harm. They took him away and shut him in a prison. George wanted to get out. He climbed up to the window to try the bars. Just then, the watchman came in. He got on the wooden bed to catch George, but he was too big and heavy. The bed tipped up, the watchman fell over, and quick as lightning, George ran out through the open door. He hurried through the building and out onto the roof, and then he was lucky to be a monkey. Out he walked onto the telephone wires, quickly and quietly over the guards' heads. George walked away. He was free. Down in the street outside the prison wall stood a balloon man. For a little girl brought a, bought a balloon for her brother. George watched. He was curious again. He felt he must have a bright red balloon. He reached over and tried to help himself, but instead of one balloon, the whole bunch broke loose. In an instant, the wind whisked them all away, and with them went George holding tight with both hands. Up, up he sailed, higher and higher. The houses looked like toy houses and the people like dolls. George was frightened. He held on very tight. At first, the wind blew in great gusts. Then it quieted. Finally, it stopped blowing altogether. George was very tired. Down, down he went. Bump onto the top of a traffic light. Everyone was surprised. The traffic got all mixed up. George didn't know what to do. And then he heard someone call, George. He looked down and saw his friend, the man with the yellow hat. George was very happy. The man was happy too. George slid down the post and the man with the big yellow hat put him under his arm. Then he paid the balloon man for all the balloons. And then George and the man climbed into the, into the car and at last, Away they went to the zoo. What a nice place for George to live. The end. Okay. I hope you guys are enjoying the stories. Here's our next one. Miss Nelson is missing. 
written by Harry Allard, illustrated by James Marshall, originally published in 1977. The kids in room 207, 207 were misbehaving again. Spitballs stuck to the ceiling. Paper planes whizzed through the air. They were the worst behaved, behaved class in the whole school. Now settle down, Miss Nelson, said Miss Nelson in a sweet voice, but the class would not settle down. They whispered and giggled. They squirmed and made faces. They were even rude during story hour, and they always refused to do their lessons. Something will have to be done, said Miss Nelson. The next morning, Miss Nelson did not come to school. Wow, yelled the kids. Now we can really act up. They began to make more spitballs and paper planes. Today, let's be just terrible, they said. Not so fast, hissed an unpleasant voice. A woman in an ugly black dress stood before them. I am your new teacher, Miss Viola Swamp, and she rapped the desk with her ruler. Where is Miss Nelson? asked the kids. Never mind that, snapped Miss Swamp. Open those arithmetic books. Miss Nelson's kids did as they were told. They could see that Miss Swamp was a real witch. She meant business. Right away, she put them to work. And she loaded them down with homework. We'll have... I'm sorry, the layout of this page is... Okay. We'll have no story hour today, said Miss Swamp. Keep your mouth shut, said Miss Swamp. Sit perfectly still, said Miss Swamp. And if you misbehave, you'll be sorry, said Miss Swamp. The kids in room 207 had never worked so hard. Days went by and there was no sign of Miss Nelson. The kids missed Miss Nelson. Maybe we should try to find her, they said. Some of them went to the police. Detective mixed. McSmog was assigned to the case. He listened to their story. He scratched his chin. Hmm, he said. Hmm, I think Miss Nelson is missing. Detective McSmog would not be much help. Other kids went to Miss Nelson's house. The shades were tightly drawn and no one answered the door. In fact, the only person they did see was the wicked Miss Viola Swamp coming up the street. If she sees us, she'll give us mo more homework. They got away just in time. Maybe something terrible happened to Miss to Miss Nelson. Maybe she was gobbled up by a shark, said one of the kids, but that didn't seem likely. Maybe Miss Nelson went to Mars, said another kid, but that didn't seem likely either. I know, exclaimed one know-it-all. Maybe Miss Nelson's car was carried off by a swarm of angry butterflies but that was the least likely of all. The kids in room 207 became very discouraged. It seemed that Miss Nelson was never coming back and they would be stuck with Miss Viola Swamp forever. They heard footsteps in the hall. Here comes the witch, they whispered. Hello, children, someone said in a sweet voice. It was Miss Nelson. Did you miss me? She asked. We certainly did, cried all the kids. Where were you? That's my little secret, said Miss Nelson. How about a story hour? Oh, yes, cried the kids. Miss Nelson noticed that during story hour, 
No one was rude or silly. What brought about this lovely change? She asked. That's our little secret, said the kids. Back home, Miss Nelson took off her coat and hung it in the closet, right next to an ugly black dress. When it was time for bed, she sang a little song. I'll never tell, she said to herself with a smile. P.S. Detective McSmog is working on a new case. He's now looking for Miss Viola Swamp. Okay, so those were the first... How many stories are that? Oh, let's read one more before we go on to the next segment. This story is a very popular one. It's Where the Wild Things Are. Story and Pictures by Maurice Sendak. Originally published in 1963. The night Max wore his wolf suit and made mischief, mischief one of a kind. And another, his mom called him Wild Thing. And Max said, I'll eat you up. So he was sent to bed without eating anything. That very night, Max's room, in Max's room, a forest grew. And grew. And grew until his ceiling hung with vines and the walls became the world all around. An ocean tumbled by with a private boat for Max and he sailed off through night and day and in and out of weeks, in almost over a year, to where the wild things are. When he came to the place where the wild things are, they roared their terrible roars and gnashed their terrible teeth. Till Max said, be still, and tamed them with the magic trick. Oops, I read this wrong. <laughs> Let me start over. And when he came to the place where the wild things are, they roared their terrible roars and gnashed their terrible teeth and rolled their terrible eyes and showed their terrible claws. Till Max said, be still, and tamed them with the magic trick of staring into all their yellow eyes without blinking once. And they were frightened and called him the most wild thing of all. And made him king of all wild things. And now, cried Max, let the wild rumpus start. They danced through the night and paraded through the forest. Now stop, Max said and sent the wild things off to bed without their supper. And Max, the king of all wild things, was lonely and wanted to be where someone loved him best of all. Then all around, from far away across the world, he smelled good things to eat. So he gave up being king of where the wild things are. But the wild things cried, Oh, please don't go. We'll eat you up. We love you so. And Max said, No. The wild things roared their terrible roars and gnashed their terrible teeth and ro rolled their terrible eyes, eyes <laughs> and showed their terrible claws. 
but Max stepped into his private boat and waved goodbye. And sailed back over a year, and in and out of weeks, and through a day. And into the night of his very own room, where he found his supper waiting for him. And it was still hot. The end. Okay, now let's take a short break. This episode is sponsored by going to sleep on time. It may seem obvious that sleep is beneficial, even without fully grasping what sleep does for us. We know that going without sleep for too long makes us feel terrible and that getting a good night's sleep can make us feel ready to take on the world. But what are the real benefits of sleeping at a decent time? Research suggests that sleep plays an important role in memory, both before and after learning a new task. Lack of adequate sleep affects mood, motivation, judgment, and our perception of events. Although there are some open questions about the specific role of sleep in informing and storing memories, the general consensus is that consolidated sleep throughout a whole night is optimal, optimal for learning and memory. So, guys, as school's starting back up and, you know, we're going to start being busy again, please go to sleep at, um, you know, before 8 a.m., You know, try to get on a regular sleeping schedule and stop waking up at 3 in the afternoon. Yeah? So, thank you for um, going to sleep on time for sponsoring this portion of today's podcast. I hope you take it into consideration and implement going to sleep before 4 a.m. into your daily lives. All right, so let's get into the final four stories. Let me see what my next four stories are. Um, just a second, huh? This next story I'm going to read for you is Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh is one of my favorite um, Disney movies. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh is my favorite. Um, It's actually based off a book. So, in which Pooh goes visiting and gets into a tight place from Winnie the Pooh. Written by A.A. Milne. Ne? I don't know how to pronounce that. And illustrated by Ernest H. Shepard. Originally published in 1926. Edward Bear, known to his friends as Winnie the Pooh, or Pooh for short, was walking through the forest one day, humming proudly to himself. He had made up a little hum that that very morning as he was doing his stoutness exercises in front of the glass. Tra-la-la. Tra-la-la, as he stretched up as high as he could go, and then 
tra la la tra la oh help la as he tried to reach his toes after breakfast he had said it over and over to himself until he had learnt it off by heart and now he was humming it right through properly it went like this tra la la tra la la tra la la tra la la rum tum tittle um tum tittle little Tittle, little, tittle, little, tittle, little, rum, tum, tum, tittle, um. Well, he was humming this hum to himself and walking along gaily, wondering what everyone, everybody else was doing and what it felt like being somebody else. When suddenly he came to a sandy bank and in the bank was a large hole. Aha, said Pooh, rum, tum, tittle, um, tum. If I know anything about anything, that hole means rabbit, he said, and rabbit means company, he said, and company means food and listening to me humming and such like. Rum tum tum tiddlum. So he bent down and put his head into the hole and called out, is anybody home? There was a sudden scuffling noise from inside the hole and then silence. What I said was, is anybody at home? Called out Pooh very loudly. No, said a voice, and then added, you needn't shout so loud. I heard you quite well the first time. Bother, said Pooh. Isn't there anybody here at all? Nobody. Winnie the Pooh took his head out of the hole and thought for a little, and he thought to himself, there must be somebody there because somebody must have said nobody. So he put his head back in the hole and said, Hello, Rabbit. Isn't that you? No, said Rabbit, in a different sort of voice this time. But isn't that Rabbit's voice? I don't think so, said Rabbit. It isn't meant to be. Oh, said Pooh. He took his head out of the hole and had another think, and then he put it back, put it back and said, Well, could you very kindly tell me where Rabbit is? He has gone to see his friend Pooh Bear, who is a great friend of his. But this is me, said, but this is me, said Bear, very much surprised. What sort of me? Pooh Bear, are you sure, said Rabbit, still more surprised. Quite, quite sure, said Pooh. Oh, well then, come in. So Pooh pushed and pushed his way through the hole, and a last he got in you were quite you were quite right said rabbit looking at him all over it is you glad to see you who did who did you think it was well i wasn't sure you know how it is in the forest one can't have anybody coming into one's house one has to be careful what about a mouthful of something Pooh always liked a little something at eleven o'clock in the morning and he was very glad to see rabbit getting out the plates and mugs and when Rabbit said honey or condensed milk with your bread, he was so excited that he said both. And then, so as not to seem greedy, he added, but don't bother about the bread, please. And for a long time after that, he said nothing, until at last, humming to himself in a rather sticky voice, he got up, shook Rabbit lovingly by the paw, and said that he must be going on. Must you, said Rabbit politely, well, said Pooh, I could stay a little longer if it, if you, 
and he tried very hard to look in the direction of the, of the larder. As a matter of fact, said Rabbit, I was going out myself directly. Oh, well then, I'll be going on. Goodbye. Well, goodbye, if you're sure you won't have any more. Is there any more? asked Pooh quickly. Rabbit took the covers off the dishes and said, No, there wasn't. I thought not, said Pooh, nodding to himself. Well, goodbye. I must be going on. So he started to climb out of the hole. He pulled with his front paws and pushed with his back paws. And in a little while, his nose was out in the open again. And then his ears, and then his front paws, and then his shoulders, and then... Oh, help, said Pooh. I'd better go back. Oh, bother, said Pooh. I shall have to go on. I can't do either, said Pooh. Oh, help, and bother. Now by this time, Rabbit wanted to go for a walk too, and finding out the front door full, he went out by the back door and came round to help Pooh, and came round to Pooh and looked at him. <laughs> Hello, are you stuck? he asked. N no, said Pooh carelessly, just resting and thinking and humming to myself. Here, give us a paw. Pooh, Pooh Bear stretched out a paw, and Rabbit pulled and pulled and pulled. Ow, cried Pooh, you're hurting. The fact is, said Rabbit, you're stuck. It all comes, said Pooh crossly, of not having front doors big enough. It all comes, said Rabbit sternly, of eating too much. I thought at the time, said Rabbit, only I didn't like to say anything, said Rabbit, and I knew it wasn't me, he said. Well, well, I shall go and fetch Christopher Robin. Christopher Robin lived at the other end of the forest, and when he came back with Rabbit, he saw the front half of Pooh. He said, silly old bear, in such a loving voice that everybody felt quite hopeful again. I was just beginning to think, said Bear, sniffing slightly, that Rabbit might never be able to use his front door again, and I should hate that, he said. So should I, said Rabbit. Use his front door again, said Christopher Robin. Of course he'll use his front door again. Good, said Rabbit. If we can't pull you out, Pooh, we might push you back. Rabbit scratched his whiskers thoughtfully and pointed out that when once Pooh was pushed back, he was back. And of course, nobody was more glad to see Pooh than he was. Still, there it was. Some lived in trees and some lived underground. And you mean I'd never get out? said Pooh. I mean, said Rabbit, that having got so far, it seems a pity to waste it. Christopher Robin nodded. Then there's only one thing to be done, he said. We shall have to wait for you to get thin again. How long does getting thin take? asked Pooh anxiously. About a week, I should think. But I can't stay here for a week. You can stay here all night, silly old bear. It's getting you out which is so difficult. We'll read to you, said Rabbit cheerfully, and I hope it won't snow, he added. And I say, old fellow, you're taking up a good deal of room in my house. Do you mind if I use your back legs as a towel horse? Because, I mean, there they are, doing nothing, and it would be very convenient to just hang the towels on them. A week, said Pooh, said Pooh gloomily. What about meals? I'm afraid no meals, said Christopher Robin, because of getting thin quicker, but... 
we will read to you. Bear began to sigh and then found he couldn't, he couldn't because he was so tightly stuck and a tear rolled down his eye as he said, then would you read a sustaining book such as would help and comfort a wedged bear in great tightness? So for a week, Christopher Robin read that sort of book and the north end of, at the north end of Pooh. And Rabbit hung his washing on the south end. And in between, Bear felt himself getting slenderer and slenderer. And at the end of the week, Christopher Robin said, Now! So he took hold of Pooh's front paws, and Rabbit took hold of Christopher Robin, and all Rabbit's friends and relations took hold of Rabbit, and they all pulled together. And for a long time, Pooh only said, Ow! And Oh! And then all of a sudden, he said, pop, just as if a cork were coming out of a bottle. And Christopher Robin and Rabbit and all Rabbit's friends and relations went head over heels backwards. And on top of them came Winnie the Pooh, free. So with a nod of thanks to his friends, he went on with his walk through the forest, humming proudly to himself. But Christopher Robin looked after him lovingly and said to himself, silly old bear. The end. That was a weird story. <laughs> okay. Let's read. The Story of Ferdinand. Written by Monroe Leaf. Illustrated by Robert Lawson. Originally published in 1936. Once upon a time in Spain, there was a little bull, and his name was Ferdinand. All the other little bulls he lived with would run and jump and butt their heads together, but not Ferdinand. He liked to just sit quietly and smell the flowers. He had a favorite spot out in the pasture under a cork tree. It was his favorite tree, and he would sit in the shade all day and smell the flowers. Sometimes his mother, who was a cow, would worry about him. She was afraid he would be lonesome all by himself. Why don't you run and play with all the other little bulls and skip and butt your head, she would say. But Ferdinand would shake his head. I like it better here, where I can sit just quietly and smell the flowers. His mother saw that he was not lonesome. And because she was an understanding mother, even though she was a cow, she let him just sit there and be happy. All the other bulls ran snorting and butting, leaping and jumping, so the men would think that they were very, very strong and fierce and pick them. Ferdinand knew that they wouldn't pick him, and he didn't care, so he went out to his favorite cork tree to sit down. He didn't look where he was sitting, and instead of sitting on the nice cool grass in the shade, he sat on a bumblebee. As the years went by, oh, I read that in the wrong order. As the years went by, Ferdinand grew and grew until he was very big and strong. All the other bulls who had grown up with him in the same pasture would fight each other all day. They would butt each other and stick each other with their horns. What they wanted most of all was to be picked. 
to fight at the bullfights in Madrid. But not Ferdinand. He still liked to sit just quietly under the cork tree and smell the flowers. One day, five men came in very in very funny hats to pick the biggest, fattest, roughest bull to fight in the bullfights in Madrid. All the other bulls ran around snorting and butting, leaping and jumping, so the men would think that they were very, very strong and fierce and pick them. Ferdinand knew that they wouldn't pick him, and he didn't care. So he went out to his favorite cork tree to sit down. He didn't look where he was sitting, and instead of sitting on the nice cool grass in the shade, he sat on a bumblebee. Well, if you were a bumblebee and a bull sat on, sat on you, what would you do? You would sting him. And that is just what this bee did to Ferdinand. Wow, did it hurt. Ferdinand jumped with a snort. He ran around puffing and snorting, butting and pawing the ground as if he were crazy. The five men saw him, and they all shouted with joy. Here was the largest and fiercest bull of all, just the one for the bullfights in Madrid. Madrid. <laughs> so they took him away for the bullfight day in a cart. What a day it was. Flags were flying, bands were playing, and all the lovely ladies had flowers in their hair. They had, they had a parade into the bullring. First came the banderi, banderieros, with long, sharp pins with ribbons on them to stick in the bull and make him mad. Next came the picadores, who rode skinny horses, and they had long spears to stick in the bull and make him madder. Then came the matador, the proudest of all. He thought he was very handsome and bowed to the ladies. He had a red cape and a sword and was supposed to stick the bull last of all. Then came the bull. And you know who that was, don't you? Ferdinand. Just a second, let me make sure I'm pronouncing these correctly. Okay. They called him Ferdinand the Fierce, and all the banderieros were afraid of him, and the picadores were afraid of him, and the matador was scared stiff. Ferdinand ran to the middle of the ring, and everyone shouted and clapped, because they thought he was going to fight fiercely and butt and snort and stick his horns around. But not Ferdinand. When he got to the middle of the ring, he saw the flowers and all the lovely ladies' hair. And he just sat down quietly and smelled. He wouldn't fight and be fierce no matter what they did. He just sat and smelled. And the banderieros were mad. And the picadores were madder. And the matador was so mad he cried because he couldn't show off with his cape and sword. So they had to take Ferdinand home. And for all I know, he is sitting there still, under his favorite cork tree, smelling the flowers, just quietly. He's very happy. Well, Spanish three is coming in handy because I would know, have known how to say those words. Banderieros. <laughs> I bet my listeners from Spain are like, ah, no, that's not how you say it. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. So, I want to read one more story to you guys. This is The Sneetches 
from the Sneetches and Other Stories, written and illustrated by Dr. Seuss, originally published in 1961. Now, the star belly Sneetches had bellies with stars. The plain belly Sneetches had none upon Lars. Those stars weren't so big. They were really so small. You might think such a thing wouldn't matter at all. But because they had stars, all the star belly Sneetches would brag. We're the best kind of Sneetch on the beaches. With their snoots in the air, they would sniff and they'd snort. We'll have nothing to do with the plain belly sort. And whenever they met some, when they were walking, when they were out walking, they'd hike right on past them without even talking. When the star belly children went out to play ball, could a plain belly get in the game? Not at all. You can only play if your bellies had stars, and the plain belly children had none upon ours. When the star belly sneeches had frankfurter roasts, or picnics, or parties, or marshmallow toasts. They never invited the plain belly sneeches. They left them out cold in the dark of the beaches. They kept them away, never let them come near, and that's how they treated them year after year. Then one day, it seems, while the plain belly sneeches were moping and doping alone on the beaches, just sitting there wishing their bellies had stars, a stranger zipped up in the strangest of cars. My friends, he announced, in a voice clear and keen, my name is Sylvester McMonkey McBean, and I've heard of your troubles. I've heard you're unhappy, but I can fix that. I'm the fix-it-up chappy. I've come here to help you. I have what you need. And my prices are low, and I work at great speed. And my work is 100% guaranteed. Then quickly, Sylvester McMonkey McBean put together a very peculiar machine. And he said, you want stars like a star belly sneech? My friends, you can have them for, th for $3 each. Just pay me your money and hop right aboard. So they clambered inside. Then the big machine roared, and it clonked, and it bonked, and it jerked, and it burked, and it bopped them about. But the thing really worked. When the plain belly sneeches popped out, they had stars. They actually did. They had stars upon theirs. Then they yelled at the ones who had stars from the start. We are exactly like you. You can't tell us apart. We're all just the same. Now, you snooty old smarties. And now we can go now we can go to your Frankfurter parties. Good grief, groaned the ones who had stars at the first. We are still the best sneeches, and they are the and they are the worst. But now how in the world will we know? They all frowned. If which kind is what? Or the other way around. Then up came McBean with a very sly wink, and he said, Things are not as quite as bad as you think. So you don't know who's who. That is perfectly true. But come with me, friends. Do you know what I'll do? I'll make 
I'll make you, again, the best sneeches on, on beaches. And all it will cost is, you is $10 eaches. Belly stars are no longer in style, said McBean. What you need is a trip through my star off machine. This wondrous contraption will take off will take off your stars, so you won't look like sneeches who have them on ours. And that handy machine, working very pre precisely, removed all the stars from their tummies quite nicely. Then, with snoots in the air, they paraded about, and they opened their beaks, and they let all and they let out a shout. We know who is who. Now there is isn't a doubt. The best kind of sneeches are sneeches without. Then of course those with stars all frightfully all got frightfully mad. To be wearing a star now was frightfully bad. Then of course old Sylvester McMonkey McBean invited them into his star off machine. Then of course from then on, as you probably guessed, things really got into a horrible mess. All the rest of that day on those wild screaming beaches, the fix-it-up chappy kept fixing up sneeches, off again, on again, in again, out again. Through the machines they raced around and about it and about again, changing their stars every minute or two. They kept paying money, they kept running through, until neither the plane nor the star bellies knew whether this one was that one, or that one was this one, or which one was what one, or what one was who. Then when every last cent of their money was spent, the fix-it-up chappy packed up, and he went. And he laughed as he drove in his car up the beach. They, they never will learn. No, you can't teach a sneech. But, but McBean was quite wrong. I'm quite happy to say that the sneeches got really quite smart on that day. They decided that sneeches are sneeches, and no kind of sneech is the best on the beaches. That day, all the sneeches forgot about stars, and whether they had one or not upon theirs. And that's the end of my children's stories. I think that is a really good story and something really relevant today that people could take into consideration, you know? not judging people because they have stars or because they don't have stars. Everyone has something to offer to the table and we all should listen to what we each have to say. So, food for thought. All right, so let's wrap things up. I hope you guys enjoy listening to me read those stories. Maybe you're asleep right now. If I made anybody fall asleep, then I did my job. If I didn't, then I still did my job because you're here listening. So, I want to give you my music recommendation of the week. So, uh, I enjoy giving these because I know one of you guys is probably taking my recommendations, right? Hopefully. Somebody? <laughs> anybody? <laughs> okay, so... I haven't been listening to music that much. Um, mm, I'm not sure. What do you want to listen to? Hmm? What do you, what do you want to? Oh, I've got it. I got it. Okay. 
one song that I'm really liking is um, this song called New 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 Humanity by Los Retros. You can find him on Spotify, and it's a part of his um, his album Everlasting, and it's a really nice song. I like it, so you should check out New Humanity by Los Retros on Spotify. Okay, so uh, let me tell you guys what I've been doing this week before I say goodbye. So this week I've just been at home, like usual, um, playing The Sims a lot. I've been doing a lot with The Sims. There's a new stuff pack coming out on the 28th. Oh, The Sims is having a 50% off sale on all of their packs except um, except Eco Lifestyle because it just came out. So all of their stuff is 50% off. And I bought a pack, a stuff pack, for only $4.99. That's a steal. And yeah, so I'm gonna, um, I've been playing with that. And it's been really fun. I have a family and it's been nice just sitting down and watching my Sims do stuff and not because before I'd try to be like the YouTubers and make a whole storyline and stuff, but it's nice to just sit down and watch your Sims just like, you know, hang out. So it's nice. Um, the other day I like put on some music and I just sat there and played and just watched them do stuff. So I'm having a lot of fun with it and I'm really enjoying it. So next week is going to be pretty cool. Um, so what's happening with school is we have the option to go to school or do distance learning so i'm going to be staying home doing distance learning because it's what i feel is best for me but i know other people are going to go to school however that might completely change and everyone end up might staying home everyone might end up staying home we'll just have to wait and see but so i think band is off i don't get to have my last field show which is really sad when I think about it, because not like I've worked so hard all these three years, and um, but it would have been nice to be able to complete my four years and have marched this show. But that's just the way things are right now, and that's just how it is. I'll have opportunities to march again in the future. I'm gonna do it. I just won't be marching my senior year, and it's gonna be sad because I love marching man and I'm gonna miss all of my friends not being able to see them every day during school but it's okay because I know in the future I'm gonna have a lot of great opportunities in band and I'm looking forward to it and maybe we'll have winter season I don't know but you know we haven't had any auditions you know, drum major auditions uh, guard auditions percussion um, mini mini camp for the freshmen um leadership meeting you know we haven't had any of those so i'm pretty sure it's off but yeah it's just the way it is so i've just been working on color guard stuff because i've been having a lot of fun with that and i was able to go to the park with my friend ariana and work on stuff with her and we did we worked on some choreography um that's the best way to well, the best ways, you know, practicing tosses and things, but learning choreography and, and looking at videos and seeing what new tosses and tricks and choreography you can do is the best way to, you know, learn fast. So that's been really helpful. But yeah, so next week I have uh, my senior photos on Tuesday, which I'm really looking forward to. I've been working on my hair. My hair before, I haven't been taking care of it. A lot of people who know me, when I have my hair in an afro, they just see it's just, um, it just looks like a big blob. 
you know, I would use my pick comb and, and completely take out the curls and it would just be flat and no texture and really dry. But I'm not doing that anymore. I'm using, I'm, um, uh, I'm not, I'm washing my hair. Not like I've never washed my hair before, but I wash my hair and I use conditioner. I'm using hair masks, which are good for your scalp and are good f- for moisture in your hair. And they help, um, they help with your curls. And I use leave-in conditioner, which also is good for my scalp. I'm having a lot less breakage now that I've been using hair masks and, and leave-in conditioner. And it helps moisturize my scalp and it helps um, define my curls. And I have a curl sponge that my brother Joshua gave me that I can use. So now my hair is really curling and it's never been like this before. Um, I have curly hair. I have a good hair texture. I really like it. I've just never realized it until now. But better now at 17 than me at 30 when I'm like thinning or something. So I'm really excited for my senior photo because my hair is going to be looking amazing. But yeah. And then on Wednesday, I have um, driving lessons. Uh, Don't worry, I'm going to be wearing my mask. Um, I have. I'm going to be wearing the surgical mask. And then a cloth mask that my mom made. So I'm going to have double masks on. And I have to wear gloves when I'm in the car too. Because it's a hands-on lesson. Um, And you may be thinking, well, why don't you just learn from your parents? Well, I need these lessons because my dad dad always says, I'm going to take you out. But then he doesn't. And my mom does not want to go on the freeway with me. So I'm going to have to learn from somebody, right? So it's just what I got to do. But I'm going to be taking the steps to stay to. Um, stay safe. That's what I've been doing every time I go out. If I see someone or if I'm going to the store, I always have a mask on and stuff. It's really important. So anyway, yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing next week. And I'll I'll tell you guys all about it uh, after it happens in my next episode. So anyway, to wrap things up, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to me read these stories. Hopefully it brought back some fun memories. Hopefully you've fallen asleep. And hopefully I've um, read some news stories to you guys who may have never even heard any, some of these. So I think that's pretty cool. Shout out to all my listeners from other countries other than the U.S. You're awesome. Uh, So thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to me read. And I hope you guys have been having an amazing week. And I hope that there's a lot of hope. I want you guys to go into your day, whenever you're listening to this, I want you to go into your day and, you know, just have a good day. Have a good, have a good day. No, like, you know what I mean? You know, try to make your day fun. Try to make it great. You know, never feel like at the end of the day that your day was a waste. Always try to make it not feel like a waste. You know what I mean? I don't know what I'm trying to say. Basically, have a good day, pretty much. Um, Yeah, anyway, thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Peace. Banderieros. I I think I'm saying that right. I'm pretty sure I am. Yeah.